0: The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. Every age must have its heroes... You may well ask, what is a hero? Obviously, a hero must be one who performs heroic deeds. In the past, we had great patriots, great soldiers, great statesmen, and great scientists. Active men and women who changed the face of our nation and the course of our history. Is it a commentary on our times that today's heroes are only images on a screen? How did... uh... You get into my dressing room.
1: Please, I don't want your money. I don't want your autograph. And I don't want you to make love to me.
2: <laughs> so, uh, what's left?
1: I want you to find my husband. He disappeared.
2: Well, why did you go to the police?
1: Well, you're the police. You're Captain Mace Hacker. Oh,
2: look, come on now. You're a grown-up lady. I'm just an actor.
1: Oh, please, Captain Hacker...
2: Captain Hacker is a character dreamed up by a writer. No,
1: no, he's real. He's you. The best detective in the world. The only man who can help me.
0: Our mystery drama, The Shadow of a Killer was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan and stars Fred Gwynn. I'll be back shortly with Act One. A script looking sedan comes to a stop before a seedy, sagging tenement building in a desolate section of a dreary slum. Three men get out. One is tall and rugged with what might be described as craggy features. Quietly, they enter the dismal hallway. Each has a revolver in his hand. They stop before a door. The tall, rugged one raises his foot... With one crashing blow, he kicks the door open.
2: Police! Freeze! Hey, what's the idea? Guess the wall. Eddie, Jerry, frisk these animals. Well, hey, look at here. On the table, all these bills. Uh... They wouldn't be from the bank job where you killed the guard and two customers, would they?
3: I don't know how that dough got there.
2: You don't know how that dough got there. What do you? Look, we'll, we'll, we'll make a deal. All this dough, you keep it. It's not enough. It's 250 grand? There's not enough money in the whole world. Cut and print it.
3: That was perfect, Mace. It's a take. Okay, Maxie, you can get up off the floor.
1: Perry, look, Maxie, his mouth's bleeding.
3: Hey, what is this? He's hurt. Mace, what'd you do to him? I I don't know. You must have really hit him. I thought it looked too
2: lifelike. Hey, Max, Max, I'm I'm sorry. Somebody, go get some water.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, get a doctor. Uh, say, Max, listen, I'm 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 sorry.
3: What got into you? We're only making a movie.
2: Max! What? Oh, Oh, good. He's coming around. What? What happened? Uh, You're going to be all right, Max. You're going to be all right. Hi, Mace. Listen, Perry. Maybe you better not call me Mace anymore. This never happened to me before. I, I never lost control in this scene. How's Max?
3: He's okay. It'll be in the papers.
2: Why? There
3: was a reporter on a set from the Trib, a dame. You should have seen her eyes light up. I can see tomorrow's headlines. The violence is not phony in the TV series Captain Mace Hacker Homicide.
2: Boy, that's all I need.
3: That's worth a million bucks in
2: publicity. You know what I'd like to do? Walk away from the show. What now? You're yeah, the hottest series in Hollywood, Perry. I'm scared. Of what? That's just it. I don't know. Uh,
3: maybe you ought to see a shrink. Hurry. what do you think of me? Well, I always thought you were a good actor, but now I believe you're great. You get better every week. Yeah, but maybe. But I want the truth. When they first called me in to direct the series, it was just another cop story. No better, no worse. But may the good Lord forgive me, we have now become a work of art. Look, Perry, tonight
2: I'm in no mood for soft soap.
3: You've developed something with the show, Mace. You've brought it to a new height of realism.
2: I'll tell you what, I'd like to go back to Broadway and do a play.
3: Ah, in the first place, they'd never let you out of your contract. Second, you're doing some absolutely first-rate acting right now.
2: That's the problem, Perry. I'm no longer sure it is acting. What does that mean? I wish I knew what it meant.
3: It's got to mean something.
2: Yeah. Perry, I've been trained as an actor. And I know that what we create is an illusion. Well, sure. But what if... What if what we create is real? Real?
3: How? In what way?
2: Mm, don't try to nail me down. It's, it's, just, it's just the... It's just the character. I, I don't know... When I walk off the set, sometimes I get the feeling that I'm not walking away from it.
3: Ah, you're too intense. (laughs) That's no help. Perry, you're a stage actor, a fine one. You've played the classics, Shakespeare, Ibsen, Chekhov. you come out here to do a TV series. You're accused of selling out, of frittering away your talents. So you say to yourself, I'll show these jokers what acting really is. I'll prove that performing as Mace Hacker can be as great as performing Hamlet.
2: That's what you think, huh?
3: And you've proved your point. Now you can relax.
2: Hey, who are you? And uh how did you get in here?
1: My name is Irene Fluitt. I was on one of the studio tours. We watched you filming your show. And the guide pointed this out as your dressing room. So I sneaked away from the rest of them and came back here. Uh, the door was open.
2: Uh, yeah, and uh, so here you are. Oh,
1: please don't have me thrown out.
2: I, I never have anybody thrown out. Uh, I'll say to you what I say to the rest of them. If you want a picture with my autograph, I'm glad to oblige. And now, let me open the door for you.
1: Oh, but please...
2: Uh, Look, let me explain something. We have a fantastic security system here. Special cops who know exactly how to handle this type of situation. So, if you think you might be able to work this into a big deal, you'll never get it off the ground.
1: I don't want your money. I don't want your autograph. And I I don't want you to make love to me. (laughs) So what's left? I want you to listen. Uh, Look, I really don't have any time. I want you to find my husband. Find your husband? He's disappeared.
2: Why don't you go to the police?
1: You're the police. What? You're Captain Mace Hacker.
2: No, no, no. I'm Alvin J. Miller. Please, Captain Hacker. Look, Mace Hacker is a character dreamed up by a writer. And I'm just an actor who plays the part.
1: Don't say that. Mace Hacker is a fictional character. No, he is not a fictional character. Mace Hacker is the best detective in the world. There is no Mace Hacker. I see him every week. I believe in him. And now, finally, I'm talking to him. Uh, How would it
2: be if I uh, got you a
1: taxi? No, no, please. Please, don't dismiss me as if... as if I were a nut. I know I sound like one, but I have seen you on television, and I feel your absolute dedication to... Law and order and and justice.
2: Oh, those words. Listen, the writers put those words in my mouth.
1: But neither they nor anyone else can put that conviction in your voice. You are Mace Hacker, and you know it. You're the world's best cop, because you've had more experience, more training than any police officer in the world. What are you talking about? What cop has worked on as many crimes as you have? And you've solved them. Because you used correct techniques. Look, I really don't have any more time. Oh, please. Please find my husband.
2: Uh, Look, Mrs... Please. Uh, Floyd, you have to understand...
1: No. No, don't turn me down. I have nowhere else to go. Please. Maybe. Maybe they murdered him.
2: Maybe who murdered him?
1: I don't know. <laughs> but he knew too much. About what? I don't know. But they. They had to get him out of the way. Who had to get him out of the way? They. They did. Well, who are they? My husband drives a truck. Last Wednesday night, he was very nervous. He couldn't eat his dinner. What's the matter? I asked a... him. Oh, please, Mrs. Fluid. No, no, I uh... won't leave you until you listen to me.
2: Uh, look, I'll tell you what I'll do. Mrs. Flewett, let me drive you to your home, and you can tell me about it on the way.
1: This isn't a trick now. You're going to listen to me? You've got to promise. I promise. here, for Encero Beach. Well, as I was telling you, he was very nervous. I-, I guess you could say scared. I asked him, what was the matter? At first, he wouldn't say anything. And finally, he said, Irene, I'm in a jam. Well, what does that mean, I asked. i better not tell you, he said. But, but I'm your wife, I said. And he said, "I got to keep you out of this." And then, yes. Well, then he just got up from the table, and he went out. Where? I don't know. I haven't seen him since. He didn't come home that night. So the next morning, I, I went to the police station. Uh huh. What did they do? Oh, they listened. They wrote everything down. I gave them his picture and. That's it. Nothing's happening.
2: How do you know? They're probably doing the very best they can.
1: Well, I don't say they aren't. But their best isn't good enough. Look, all I know is my husband is gone. Look,
2: Mrs. Flewitt, he's your husband. Uh, You may feel a special way about him, but the fact is, he was in wrong somewhere. Somehow. He said so himself. He... He told you he was in a jam.
1: But he wouldn't do anything wrong, I know. Oh, this is the house right here.
2: Hey, this is the
1: house. (laughs) Quite a place. Well, ever since we were married, that's all both of us ever wanted. A nice place to live in. Oh, please, won't you come in?
2: Uh, I'd like to, but I'm due back for a story conference in about 40 minutes. Please, so...
1: find my husband.
2: What What makes you think I can?
1: Because you're Captain Mace Hacker.
2: Oh, please, let's not start that all but, over but again.
1: But you are, whether you like it or not.
2: And Mrs. Floyd, I'm sorry, I have to go.
1: You're afraid. Of what? Afraid you'll be unable to live up to your responsibility. What responsibility? Your responsibility to me. What responsibility do I have? To you? To me and to the millions who watch you and who believe in you.
2: I, I, I never asked anyone to believe in me.
1: Oh, but you do. You speak to all of us and you say, I'm here, I'm here to protect you. You can count on me. Now, you know you say that.
2: But those are just words. The the writer's words.
1: But we believe you. I believe you.
0: There are pretenses which, after a while, become real. If not to the pretender then to his audience. And why not? So many of us play a role in this life, and there are those of us who are actually paid fabulous sums to do it. They say sometimes you can't tell the real people from the pretenders without a scorecard. Maybe we'll have to issue some in Act Two, which comes shortly. what you would like people to think you are. This is a piece of advice that comes to us from no less a philosopher than Pythagoras himself. And so, there must be something to it. But like all these previous nuggets fashioned by the great sages, there's always considerable difficulty, not to mention distance, between the desire and the deed.
1: But I believe you. You are Captain Mace Hacker. I believe you.
2: I said I was sorry.
1: I'll never believe anybody again as long as I live.
2: Uh, Mrs. Fluitt. uh, Mrs. Fluitt. Mrs. Fluitt. Mrs. Fluitt. Yes uh, You must let me apologize For what? That's it, I, I don't even know for what uh, But I have this feeling I've done something wrong uh, uh, May I come in? Say, this is a beautiful home you have here
1: We're very proud of it Look, you don't really have to apologize to me I realize what I did was quite silly. It's it, just that I'm desperate. I don't know where to turn. Oh, I would offer you a drink, except I know you never take one.
2: That's right. Um, i i tell you what you could offer me, though. Whatever it is I'm smelling, it must be delicious. Oh, oh
1: that's dinner. I just left it to simmer on the stove. Oh, what is it? Beef stew.
2: You see, ever since I became Mace Hacker, whenever I go out to eat, wherever I go, I'm recognized. I can never enjoy a meal.
1: Well, would you care for some?
2: Well, thank you. And, uh, why don't you tell me more about your husband?
3: All right. I want to do the scene between Hacker and Inspector Kelly again. We have practically the same dialogue in every show. You should be able to do it in your sleep. So let's do it in one take.
1: Roll them. Mace Hacker, script 28, scene 27, take two.
2: Action. First, Mrs. Flewett, you tell me your husband drives a truck. Then I find out you live in this fantastic house in very exclusive Encero Beach.
3: Cut! Hey, where do those lines come from, Mace? What? Mace, what script are we doing? Uh, I, I don't... Who is Mrs. Fluitt?
2: M- M- Mrs. Fluitt?
3: Yeah, whose husband drives a truck. Mace, none of this is in the script.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I... Yeah, I realize that. You okay? Yeah, yeah, sure. I, uh, I, I just must have been thinking about something. I...
3: You want to take a break? No, 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 no,
2: it's okay, I'll be all right Uh, uh, Let's take it again Uh, Hello, Mrs. Fluitt
1: Oh, uh, good evening
2: Do you mind if I come in?
1: Uh, No, not at all Uh,
2: Mrs. Fluitt I want you to tell me the truth About what? About your husband.
1: I told you everything.
2: You told me he drives a truck.
1: Yes, that's right.
2: Uh, Well, what other source of income does he have?
1: None that I know of.
2: I checked the records at City Hall. You bought this house for $170,000.
1: Yes, we did.
2: On a truck driver's salary? Well, he
1: makes very good money.
2: Not that good.
1: He told me he came into some inheritance... An aunt of his died. Who was she? I don't know. I never met her. Well, well he never did either. She lived in England.
2: Who does your husband work for?
1: Kazmier. W.J. huh.
2: What kind of outfit is it?
1: Oh, they import novelties. You know, all sorts of little souvenir-type items from the Far East. Uh-huh. It's a warehouse, huh? Yes, I think so.
2: I see. And he drives his stuff from there to various stores and so forth?
1: Well, I would imagine so.
2: It, it seems to me you don't know very much about it.
1: Well, he. He never talked much about his job. Uh-huh.
2: And you never wondered about where all the money was coming from?
1: I was brought up in a family where a woman never asked her husband such questions. <laughs>
2: uh, who have you been talking to downtown at police headquarters?
1: A uh, certain Inspector Rockfield. Rockfield, huh? Do you know him?
3: Inspector Rockfield. Who? Oh yeah, yeah. Anytime. Send him right in here. May Hacker, come right on in and sit yourself down.
2: Thanks, Inspector.
3: Hey, uh, before I forget, September 23rd is the date for the annual PBA affair. I know the men will want you for guest of honor as usual. Sure. Mace. <laughs> Isn't it remarkable how I instinctively call you Mace? It's just because you happen to be so real to all of us in the department. Uh, Inspector. Hey, I, uh, I guess you want my comments on the next script. Usually Perry calls me up about that. As usual, I've got nothing to say. Oh, a couple of little nitpicky things, but I don't even know if it pays to bring them up.
2: Uh, Inspector, could I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. Uh, What's being done on the George Fluitt case? The what? The George Fluitt disappearance. George Fluitt. Uh, that
3: name doesn't ring a bell. Is it, uh, something recent? It's very recent, Inspector. George Fluid. Doesn't mean
2: a thing. Well, I've been talking to his wife. She says she's been in here to see you.
3: Well, we get hundreds of these things, and, uh, I see. Fluid, fluid. Let me think, uh. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. He,
2: he did disappear, then. So she claims. She said he was nervous, scared, in a jam of some sort. Yeah, yeah, I remember. That's what she
3: said to me. Uh-huh. Well? Hey, we get 20, 30 disappearances a month like that. Do you know why? No. Your average guy who disappears fades out for two reasons. They both begin with a D. Dames or debts. So his wife, his mother, his sister, his girlfriend, whoever's left holding the bag, she comes in here and try to sweeten the pot. They figure if they can throw a little mystery into it, a little hint of homicide, maybe we'll try harder.
2: Uh, so what you're saying is you don't believe her? What I'm saying is, don't worry about it, Mace. <laughs> so what's so funny? Uh, That's
3: exactly like the line in your show. When your boss, Inspector Kelly, tries to touch you off a case, don't worry about it, Mace.
2: Yeah, and I always answer, okay, but do you mind if I scout around a little bit? Uh, well? What, Mace? Do you? Do you mind if I scout around a little bit? Yeah. Oh? What are you talking about? I can't believe it. It must be a joke. Yeah. All right. Send him in. Mace Hacker? Uh, Mr. Kazmaier. Boy, it is. It is Mace Hacker. Uh, Do you mind if I come in? Uh, Oh, oh, sure, sure, sure. Come on in. Uh, Thank you. Have, uh, sit down. <laughs> well, what can I do for you? I want to talk to you about George Fluid. George Fluid. I understand he drove a truck for you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. What do you know about him? Whew. All I know is he he hasn't been into work for over a week now. Uh-huh. Do you have any idea why? No. Mm-hmm. Was he in any kind of trouble that you know of? Trouble? No, no, not at all. Uh, are you in any sort of trouble, Mr. Kazmaier? Me? In, in trouble? <laughs> what kind of a question is that? A very simple question. Now, wait a minute. Are you, are you uh, actually working with the police? You didn't answer the question. Oh, no. No. Huh? I'm not in any trouble. mm mm-hmm. I may be back. Thank you, Mr. Kazmaier. You've been a lot of help. You, uh, resting? Oh, no, no, no. Just going over my lines. Uh, come on in, Perry. What am I doing the set?
3: You've got in about an hour. Listen, I, uh, I got a phone call from that cop. You know, the technical advisor for the series, Roxfield. yeah. Yeah. Kind of weird thing. And he had this crazy notion that you were actually talking to him like a cop who wanted to work on
2: it. Well, they're not doing anything on it. If if you ask me, this guy's been murdered. How do you know the guy's been murdered? Call it one of my famous hacker hunches. Now, wait a minute,
3: wait a minute. You can't go around on the assumption you're a real cop. And she's not even a good-looking dame. Who isn't? I'm putting a couple of things together first you throw some lines into a script about a dame named Mrs. Fluitt all this had a left field then later the inspector calls me and tells me you're trying to involve yourself in the disappearance of a guy named George Fluitt so I drove out to look
2: who is this Mrs. Fluitt to you she asked me to find him why you because to her I'm a cop Named Mace Hacker.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can understand that. To her, you're Mace Hacker. But who are you to you? Who am I? Yeah. Who are you?
0: During our story so far, we've had little bits and pieces of suggestion, innuendo, even a certain amount of hard evidence. But the central question remains, as it must, until, of course, we solve it one way or another in Act Three shortly. are fated to live out our fantasies in private. However, here we have an actor named Alvin J. Miller who plays the role of a television cop named Mace Hacker so convincingly that quite a few people have come to think of him as Mace Hacker. Indeed, their number has become so large that he's beginning to believe it himself.
3: What are you trying to do, Mace? I'm going to find the killer of George Fluitt. But you're not... I'm not what? You're not a real cop.
2: I'm Mace Hacker.
3: Now, listen. It happens. It happens to all of them sometimes, especially the actors who play doctors and detectives. You get so involved in it, after a while it seems to be real. It is real. No, it is not. It's just a story that comes up on a screen for an hour. And it's gone. You turn off the picture, and it's all gone. But I'm still here. Mace Hacker
2: is still here.
3: Uh, a lot of this is my fault. I've been working it too hard. Listen, maybe you'd better... Uh,
2: I, I know what you're going to say. Maybe I should see a doctor.
3: Why not? Why should you be the only
2: big star that's never been to a shrink? Mace Hacker has to help this woman. Why? Because she's getting the runaround from everybody else. Tell me, Mrs. Fluid, have the police been out here to see you? No. Do they know where you live?
1: Well, yes, they must. They took down my address.
2: Hmm. They know where your husband works?
1: Yes, yes. It's all in the form I filled out. Uh, how did your
2: husband get along with his employer, uh, uh, Mr. Kazmaier?
1: All right, I suppose.
2: You suppose?
1: Well, I told you he would never talk about business. I would assume if they didn't get along, Mr. Casmir would have fired him. It's that simple, isn't it?
2: You live in a simple world, Mrs. Lord. I'm sorry. And you still insist you have no idea why your husband should have been nervous or frightened that night?
1: No, sir. Mm-hmm.
2: Just exactly how much did your husband make a week?
1: I told you, he never discussed business with me. What did you do for money? He gave me some to run the household. How much? As much as I needed.
2: How much did it come to? Oh, About $200 a week. Uh And he paid all the bills?
1: Yes, I suppose so.
2: Did he keep any papers around the house?
1: I I don't know. You
2: don't know?
1: I keep telling you, I don't know anything about business.
2: But you know about this. Hmm? It's a light switch. See? Turns on the electricity. You have to pay the utility company money for it, right? And, yes. and this. See? It's a telephone. And it happens to be in working order. And every month the company sends you a bill. Well, well yes, but... There's a mortgage on this house and every month the bank has to be paid. So where are all these bills kept? Where's your husband's checkbook? Where does he keep his records? I told you. I don't know. You're lying. You
1: have no right to talk to me like that.
2: How much does your husband take home a week? Not enough to give you 200 for your pocketbook. Not enough to maintain a place like this. So where does the money come from?
1: I don't know.
2: You never asked yourself, how does a truck driver pay for this kind of a setup?
1: I told you there was a legacy.
2: What legacy? Where's the letter from the lawyer? I
1: never asked him.
2: You never asked him anything. Because you didn't want to know. But you knew there had to be something dishonest going on.
1: No, I... I...
2: You're living in this house three years now, Mrs. Floyd. Where did you live before? And please don't tell me you don't remember.
1: I didn't say that.
2: You had a two-room flat over on Vanderlee. Mm, not such a hot neighborhood. Your your husband worked for a big national outfit, Universal Transport. But everything changed the day he took the job with Kazmire. Didn't it? Didn't it? Yes. Why?
1: What do you want me to tell you? The truth. The truth. Well, I... I taught at Downstate. I was one of those plain-looking girls who did well at school, but not so good at other things. Like dates. It's an old story.
2: Hmm. They're the best kind.
1: All my friends said it couldn't work. He and I... Oh, we were from two different worlds. He'd never even finished high school. But he was a man. And he was handsome. And he... I guess... He was in awe of me. Can you imagine? Yeah. He just couldn't believe his good luck. That someone like me could be attracted to someone like him. At first, I couldn't believe it myself. I come from a very poor background. I worked hard to put myself through school. I always yearned for nice things.
2: Mm -hmm. And so you started to
1: demand them. It's funny how it worked. I never said one word.
2: (laughs) That can be the loudest demand of all.
1: That's right. The money started to roll in. It's the only way I can describe it.
2: And you never asked him a single question?
1: I couldn't. Why not? Because I had to justify it to myself. And so I created a kind of make-believe world where everything was all right. And then when he disappeared, I couldn't accept it. So I also had to go to a make-believe detective. What else can I tell you?
2: I guess you told me everything. (laughs) Inspector Rockfield, how are you doing on the fluid case? Oh, nice. No. You look. She walks in here. She says, my husband disappeared. He shows you his picture, a real handsome guy. You look at her, a very plain Jane. So you say to yourself, simple. He walked out on her. That's what you said, wasn't it? Now, wait a minute. That's you... how you wrote it off. Who says we so you wrote You take down all the information as a matter of form. George Fluid, truck driver, 37 Primrose Way, Encero Beach, age 36. Employer, Casmeyer, Inc. You wouldn't happen to go for this dame, would you? And then you took the sheet of paper and dropped it into the files. There's a terrific story on that sheet of paper. But nobody around here bothered to read it. What story? How does a truck driver make enough money to live in a house on Encero Beach... What kind of salary does he get at Casimir? Is he moonlighting? If so, at what? If not, why is he worth so much to Casimir? Casimir imports novelties from the Far East. So, what else could they be importing? A hundred questions. But how many did you ever ask yourselves? None.
3: Now look. This investigation
2: is proceeding along in an orderly manner. Hey, you wouldn't kid an old buddy, would you? I'm telling you, the secret lies at Kazmier. Oh, Uh, what are you doing here? Good evening, Mr. Kazmier. What are you doing here? You again, the one who plays a detective. Uh, You haven't answered my question. What are you doing here? Oh, (laughs) I got every right to be here. This happens to be my warehouse. Uh Uh-huh. You keep very late hours. That's how they get ahead in this world. How'd you get in? I, uh, Jimmy'd open a window in the back. Well, the burglar alarm must be out of order. No, 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 it's fine. I, uh, happen to know what to do about burglar alarms. Oh. Is there any reason why I shouldn't call the police? Absolutely. Because I'd tell them what I was looking for. Oh, yeah? What are you looking for? Look, Kazmaier, you and I could save a lot of time if you told me. Uh, drugs? Diamonds, is it? Or counterfeit? (laughs) You don't know what you're talking about (laughs) Uh Okay, you uh, caught me robbing your warehouse So call the cops Nah No, why not? If you're on the level You're a famous television detective What are you looking for, publicity? Why should I give it to you? Why? Because this is a perfect setup for something crooked You're a reputable businessman Nobody bothers you Maybe your truck driver figures it out. Maybe it was his idea. Anyhow, he is in on it. He started making a lot of money. Now, you tell me the rest. Uh, Was he becoming too greedy? Hmm? Too dangerous? Or, Or maybe the other thing. Maybe his conscience started to bother him. Maybe he wanted to get out. Huh? No, Casimir. Don't try to open that desk drawer, and just keep your hands exactly where I can see them. That uh, gun of yours—is
0: that the one you use in the show? <laughs> is it loaded with real bullets or blanks? Mine has live ammunition. I'm betting yours doesn't.
2: Should we find out? It doesn't matter. They're wise to you. Nobody's wise to me except maybe you. In a little while, you're not going to make too much difference. You killed him, didn't you? Yeah. He's
0: beginning to ask for too much money.
2: He married a lady with very expensive tastes. Where'd you hide his body? Same place I'm going to hide yours. Come on, let's go. What makes you think I'm going quietly? I'd hate to have to drag your body out to my car. So why should I make it easy for you? Okay. Have it your way. Uh, Don't shoot, Inspector. We can take him alive. What? (laughs) I'm uh, sorry, Mr. Kazmaier. You fell for the oldest trick in the book. Listen, listen, look. We can we could make a deal. What kind of deal? In a warehouse. I, I I got a shipment of drugs. You were right. A half a million dollars just for you. It's not enough. I'd name your price. There isn't enough money in the whole world, Kazmaier. And just don't you make a move. Yeah? Yeah. Give me Inspector Rockfield.
3: Mace, it's absolutely fantastic. You actually found the killer of this fellow, Flewitt. You solved the case. Yeah. Well, how'd you do it?
2: Oh, how do I always do it? Uh... Just routine police work.
3: ha. Oh, the media's eating it up. The whole country's talking about it.
2: It was a good show. What was a good show? Listen, Perry. For a while back there, the scripts were all beginning to sound the same. But this time, the writers really wrote a great one. About Irene Fluitt. And her husband.
3: Mace? That wasn't...
2: That wasn't a show. You never even meet the guy. But... You know, you can picture the whole relationship he has with his wife. <laughs> the writers could only come up with something like that every week.
1: We're ready in the set, Perry.
3: Ah, uh,
2: yeah, yeah, okay. You ready, Mace? You know me, Perry. I'm always ready.
3: All right, everybody. Places? Roll them.
1: Mace Hacker, script number fifty two, scene one. Take one. <laughs>
0: Does any of us really know who we are and where we are? It's all rather complex, you know. It would be relatively simple if we knew the difference between reality and illusion. At one time, the separation was quite obvious. Now, it may not even exist. But I do, and I shall return shortly. one time our heroes were drawn from real life they were real people who did real things Buffalo Bill actually rode a horse in the wild untamed West and shot Buffalo today our Western heroes are movie stars our great soldiers are movie stars our great doctors and detectives and lawyers are movie stars and we invest in these shadows on the screen with reality. And it isn't necessarily their fault if we take their make-believe seriously. And if, after a while, they do too. Our cast included Fred Gwynn, Joyce Gordon, Robert Dryden, and Ian Martin. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown.